You're listening to Conversation with the Experts, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hello, my name is Claire and I'm a clinical nurse educator here at the Royal Children's Hospital. And today I am joined by Bianca Devson and Bianca is a clinical neonatal research nurse consultant at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and she also works in the neonatal intensive care unit here at the RCH. Now, you might have heard me chat with Bianca before she's joining us today for part two of our series on neonatal pain. So if you haven't already, you may like to go back and have a listen to part one of the series. In that session, we talk about pain assessment. And today we're going to be focusing more on pain management. So thanks for coming back and joining us again, Bianca. Thanks for having me back. So pain management in neonates, big topic. Where should we start? Yeah, it is a really big topic. And I think what would benefit most healthcare professionals listening to this podcast today would be really focusing on a few or a handful of practical strategies that you can use at the bedside or in your own clinical practice, whether you're in medical, nursing or allied health or in a maternity hospital, emergency department, immunization clinic or nursery, wherever you are, wherever you encounter neonates, um, I'm hoping to share today just a few practical strategies and they really go back to the fundamentals or the basics of neonatal pain management. And even though they are the basics, they are the most effective. So it would be really good to focus on those strategies rather than me talking about different opioids we use or opioid adjuncts, opioid weaning and withdrawal. But if that is something your audience is interested in, I'm happy to come back and talk about that in another episode. But um, I think today it would be good to focus on procedural pain management in particular, because that's where the most research has been done. Chronic or long-term neonatal pain is still an evolving area. We have recorded some other podcasts with different um, health professionals around procedural pain management with more of a focus in the pediatric or the children age group. So I think it's really important that we're going to be talking about the neonatal population. I'm really glad you said we're going to give us some really simple, effective strategies because that's what we're kind of all about on this series, things that people can take back to their practice and do without needing lots of specific training, without needing a lot of specific equipment or anything like that, but core nursing skills that people could utilise and implement. So I'm sure they'd love to hear them from you. Yeah. So a good place to start is with breastfeeding. So Breastfeeding during painful procedures has been shown to be the most effective pain management strategy for babies. During heel pricks is probably the most common painful procedure we do for these babies because every baby has their newborn screening test in day two, day three of life. Different organizations call it different things. It's called the Guthrie card sample in some places or the PKU test, but we call it the newborn screening test. And that involves a heel prick and that's done on all all babies in Australia. So thinking about doing procedures like a heel prick, um, that's painful during a breastfeed. Same with injections and immunizations, for example, they can be done while breastfeeding and even in older infants. Associate Professor Denise Harrison, who currently works at the University of Melbourne, she created some videos and posted them on YouTube so that you can see exactly how, I guess, the ergonomics of that works and how to do it. We'll put the link in the show notes of this episode for you to click on to have a look at those videos. But 
There was a Cochrane review from 2016 that discussed how breastfeeding was effective in reducing pain during painful procedures because it really is multifactorial. It's not just the breastfeeding, but it's the skin to skin contact and the warmth from the parent while breastfeeding and the sucking and the sweet taste in their mouth and with the rocking and the sound and the smell of their mother. It's a combination of all of those really positive factors that come with breastfeeding that make it the most effective pain relief. There's been some research looking at expressed breast milk being, you know, dropped or with a syringe into the baby's mouth on their tongue. And it's just not as effective as breastfeeding because it doesn't have all of those other factors that come with breastfeeding with it. So a top tip, if you have a baby breastfeeding for five minutes or so before the procedure, I feel like that works really well because they're more established in that feed. So after they've stopped doing those short sucks at the breast to really draw the milk down and switched to those long drawn out sucking motions and they're really getting that milk and the mum's had a let down, that's probably the best phase or the best time to do the painful procedure then rather than just having the baby put straight onto the breast and then pricking their heel straight away. I always advise mums or it works best when you advise the mum that if the baby does startle or pull away from the breast during the heel prick, if they just calmly put the baby, latch the baby back onto the breast. Because sometimes when that baby startles, I think it's mum's kind of instinct or first reaction to start patting them and and trying to console them that way when it's just more effective to put them back on the breast. So that's probably a, a handy tip if you're using breastfeeding as a, as a means of pain relief during a painful procedure. If the baby is not breastfeeding or if they are preterm and they cannot breastfeed or they're nil by mouth, then there was another Cochrane review published in 2017 that found that skin to skin or kangaroo care was also an effective method of pain management in neonates as well. So skin to skin is where a baby's bare chest is on either parent's bare chest. So both parents can do skin to skin Mm -hmm. And the baby's placed upright in the center of their chest. So you can do heel pricks in this position. And particularly if the baby has some non-urgent blood tests that you need to take, we can, it's really easy to negotiate a time with a parent to be available to have that baby in skin to skin to do those blood tests. Yeah, I think it's really important to know that skin to skin is there and still effective. So it is a role that any parent or caregiver undertake for the baby. Look, I've done a lot of um, heel pricks in my time, and particularly these screening heel pricks. They're always a bit of a, a journey to to go on, and they're you know potentially distressing for the baby, but also in my experience, distressing for the the parents as well. They take a little while sometimes to get done. Mm. And so you talked a lot about the evidence around the breastfeeding being pain relief and to minimise distress for the infant. Does it have a similar effect for the parent? Like just being involved, having the skin to skin, or breastfeeding kind of help with their distress at all? Or has there been sort of research around that as well? Yeah, I don't think there's been as much research, but I think it it depends on the parent. Um, We get a lot of very um, anxious and stressed parents Mm. in the NICU and sometimes it's not appropriate for them to be there during a procedure because it can kind of make their, I guess, 
the trauma that they've experienced being in the NICU worse. Sure. But in general, I think it really empowers a parent because they're always feeling helpless Mm. um, in the NICU in particular is a very common experience. And if they can do something for their baby to help their baby and support their baby during that time, I think they love being involved and and having a clear role that they can play to really help support their baby. So it's usually empowerment Mm -hmm. is is probably the the most that they get from that. Um, But, yeah, it really depends on the parent and where they're at. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what about if we can't use breastfeeding or skin to skin? So, you know, a lot of procedures or many procedures that we do, particularly in our sicker neonate population, mm-hmm. um, the more technical, we might need to be sterile things, you know, line insertions, lumbar punctures, anything that can't appropriately or safely be completed with the infant on the parent. What are our options here? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. In those scenarios, there's a few different things we can do. So we use sucrose, which is a sweet sugar solution. Uh, different organizations have it in different forms. So some places use a single vial or a dropper to, to administer the sweet sugar solution and other institutions make up their own sucrose. There's different concentrations that are available and it comes in a bottle and you can draw it up with a syringe and, and administer it that way. There was a 2016 Cochrane review that showed sucrose was effective in reducing neonatal pain. And in fact, it was effective in infants up to one year old. So it's just a small amount of sucrose that needs to be applied to the baby's tongue, just a couple of drops and starting two minutes prior to the procedure. And it really needs to be reapplied to their tongue depending on the length of the procedure. It really makes a difference if you start giving the sucrose two minutes prior to starting the procedure again, rather than just giving a drop of sucrose and then straight away going and pricking their their foot. I feel like anecdotally that's key. And then another few drops immediately before you go to prick their heel or or give the um put an IV in or um, do the LP and then throughout the procedure as required, um, continuously administering that sugar. It's usually given on the tongue with a dummy or a pacifier so that the baby can suck on it as well. And we call that non-nutritive sucking, which then um, is also really comforting and settling to the babies as well. And also containment and swaddling. So giving them some physical boundaries to help them feel safe and secure is also really important. And having a present there, as long, again, as it's appropriate for the parent and the parent can cope with being present during the procedure then that can be really helpful for the baby as well so that they can hear and smell and feel close to their parent. And if you can stack some of these techniques, then that's even better. So giving sucrose to a baby while they're swaddled and sucking on a dummy with a parent present, singing to them or talking to them and trying to calm them down with some positive touch and containment holes during the procedure, then that's really effective in supporting the baby. Wow. So we've just covered some really useful techniques that clinicians can really apply anywhere that you practice, which is really great. And I think, yeah, sucrose is it's incredible how effective it can be when you watch it working. And I love watching parents' faces when you give it to, to babies and they think they seem a little bit sceptical at first that this is sugar syrup. How is, you know, how is this going to help? And then that you can see the babies relax and respond to the sucrose and it, you know, it's always interesting 
to see the parents are quite surprised by that, which I think is reassuring for them. Yeah, it's very unique to the babies, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't quite work for us, unfortunately. I know. I think actually... Denise Harrison was doing some more research on looking at lollipops with older mm. children. It just wasn't the same. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, there were some really specific techniques that clinicians can apply. What about sort of the general, in I guess, environment and culture? Is there anything we can do to create an environment that supports good practice with procedural pain management and neonates? Preparation is key, not just being prepared for the painful procedure that you have to perform so it all runs smoothly and efficiently without any interruptions or delays, but also taking the time to use um, sucrose and swaddle or contain the baby and use the dummy can make all all the difference. I think, you know, sometimes we are very busy people and using these techniques takes time, um, you know, waiting for a mum to latch a baby on to breastfeed and and wait for that baby to be really established in that feed. It all takes extra time. So I think really valuing that and taking the time makes a huge difference. You know, sometimes it's the difference between getting a line in first go or getting a really clear LP sample or, or you know, getting doing one heel prick and getting all your blood samples through that one heel prick. Um, it really, yeah, makes a difference to set up the scene. We had one of our um, procedural pain CNCs talking a, a few weeks ago, and one of the things they say is it's taking time to save time yeah. later on. And we are very time poor, and we think, oh, there's no time to do that. There's no time to plan and stop and wait. But ultimately, it actually saves us so much time in the long run. The procedure is successful, or it runs more smoothly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's great to hear that that same message is being. <laughs> it's always reassuring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not just my opinion. In terms of environment and culture, it really needs to be part of the ward or unit or department that you work in. It needs to be part of their culture. So it needs to be something that your team values and prioritizes and considers when ordering these procedures. So a good example is in our NICU, we do a lot of routine non-urgent blood tests between six and seven in the morning so that we can have the results ready for the ward round in the morning. And there are no parents present at the bedside at that time in the morning to breastfeed or do skin to skin or be there to support their baby during that blood test. We've started to consciously make an effort to do non-urgent blood tests during the day when there's parents present and we can coordinate a time with them so that they will be at the bedside and available to help with pain relief during painful procedures. And it's also considering do we really need these blood tests? Are they essential? I know non-routine or non-urgent blood tests sounds um, sounds funny, but we have a lot of babies on TPN and lipids, so they have regular blood yeah. work. Being really conscious or mindful of ordering tests that are essential and not pricking a baby's heel for a test that wasn't essential. If we do need to prick this baby's heel to do a blood test, making sure that there are no other orders that are required for this baby so that in two hours' time we don't have to do another heel prick because we've found a, a blood order that we we missed or someone else has thought of something else that they want to to order. So I think that's key as part of, you know, something that a team values or, you know, part of ward culture. I think another thing that we need to get better at doing in terms of the environment and the culture and this is probably speaking from a a NICU background where parents don't sleep at the bedside so I think we do need to get better at empowering our parents to 
be involved and teaching them how they can support their baby during painful procedures, whether it's breastfeeding or skin to skin um, or helping swaddle and contain their baby, providing that positive touch and comfort. Because a lot of parents don't know um, how they can help their baby in these scenarios until we show them or until we tell them. And it's applicable to all parents and their babies because all babies have their immunizations and their newborn screen test in that first week of life. And the midwife or nurse doing these tests can make a huge difference to these first few experiences that the baby and their family have. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's not just the really sick babies that that are impacted by Mm. procedures and, and procedural pain. It's every baby. Absolutely. And then, you know, throughout their childhood as well, potentially. My key takeaways from our chat are that really the simple things are really the most effective. They're the essentially Mm -hmm. cost neutral, you know, easy things that we can implement and embed in our practice. And then also that importance of caregiver presence and inclusion. And we've talked about this, like I said, in previous podcasts around procedural um, support and managing procedures in children, but preparation Mm. really is the key and the most important part. Look, hopefully we'll be able to get you back again to talk about this topic, Bianca, but in the meantime, thanks so much for joining us and we really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Teach, Think, Treat, where we discuss aspects related to teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting.